Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Gunn. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Now I put out last week a questionnaire for you guys to send in uh, some Rugby League questions for me. Got through a heap of them. There was a few more that I wanted to get through. We sort of ran out of time last week. We obviously did Bloke in a Bar a little bit later. So put up all that content at the back end of the week. So I thought I'd go back and have a look at uh, two questions in particular that I, actually three questions that I thought were really interesting. The first one comes from Kyle underscore the underscore tradie. Kyle the tradie. What will be the next meta for NRL? We saw how dominant two hookers uh, are this year. So an interesting one there, which I will talk about. Troy Warner. Troy from the Paracave podcast. If you're a Parramatta fan or just rugby league fan in general, check out Troy uh, putting out fantastic content. A stack of interviews there with uh, a lot of past players. Uh, Some really interesting chats there. I find with Troy's interviews uh, and with a lot of interviews in general that you know, when you interview all the superstars and all the kangaroos players and all that, most of their stories, you've already heard them because they've done so many interviews. Troy, uh, he interviews a lot more of just like your stock standard sort of first graders, and that's where you hear the real raw stories. So check out the Parapa Cave podcast. Troy says, is loyalty out of the game when it comes to contracts? Interesting. Obviously, a big Parramatta fan, Troy. Got a feeling this might have something to do with uh, some of the boys that have left and maybe Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, but we'll talk about that soon. Next one comes from, uh, who have we got? Sorry. Yeah, Little Mickey. Little Mickle, sorry. Says, how should teams prepare to face Penrith? Interesting question there. Probably a hard one to answer, to be honest with you. I, I think you need a smarter rugby league brain than mine to work that out. And uh, seemingly, there aren't too many of them around in the NRL at the moment. But we'll have a red-hot crack at it. First one comes from Kyle the Trady. What will be the next meta for NRL? We saw dominant that we saw how dominant two hookers are this year. Yeah, the two hooker uh, rotation came in this year. Well, not came in, became popular once again for a long time. I think Cameron Smith set a standard of trying to go with one nine so that you could have uh, an extra 
player on the bench, uh, an extra forward on the bench, obviously, or, mar- or maybe carry like a utility outside back sort of player. Uh, but I think you've seen over the last year or two, and I think the Queensland Maroons did it better than anyone, to be honest with you, carrying two hookers, how important it can be. The Blues sort of copied the same um, blueprint, but I, as I said from day one, I didn't agree with how the Blues did it. I thought it was ridiculous to keep Damien Cook on the bench and play Happy Kuros off the start. I think that's just a little bit backwards. I think you'll see the Penrith Panthers. Well, they started to implement it this year as well. Obviously, Mitch Kenny started Happy Kuros off the bench. I think they'll do the same thing in 2023. They'll start Mitch Kenny, and I think Sonny Luke, uh, he will come off the pine, a bit more of an explosive player. So the Queensland Maroons, they're in an incredible situation where you have Ben Hunt and Harry Grant, who uh, either of them can start, either of them can come off the bench. They did it for the Kangaroos as well. Uh, probably the best hooker combination you can get in the modern game, realistically. <laughs> And I do think that it is a trend that you'll start to see more and more of. For example, I think the Chooks next year... I think Brandon Smith, I don't think he'll be an 80-minute hooker. I don't think he'll be a 60-minute hooker, to be honest with you. I think he'll start the game at hooker. Then I think he'll come on as a middle forward later. But then I think they will have Connor Watson to come on the field. And I really like that combination that the Roosters have, uh, that the Penrith Panthers have. Two very different nines that they can bring on. I think it just, it can really change the game as soon as you make that switch. It it can really shake it up, especially when you get a fresh set of eyes with good running game or whatnot, like a Connor Watson, like a Sonny Luke. Uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. And I think it's going to become more and more popular. And I think especially for us super coach players, I think hooker is going to become more and more difficult. I wouldn't be surprised if over the next 18 months or so, you start to see Damien Cook sharing minutes with Peter Mamazelis. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. I wouldn't be surprised if Reid Marnie uh, shares minutes with a Beyond Iodo or Josh Reynolds, you know, a heap of guys at that club that could jump in at nine. So I think it will become more and more common. And I think that your 80-minute hooker, I, I don't think they'll be extinct, but I think they'll become more and more rare as you've seen this year. The next meta though, and like this sort of made me think back you know, it was about when I first started my Instagram page and whatnot. Um, I sort of predicted this lock forward change. Tamalolo was winning Dally M's and it was all about how many meters and everything. And I said, I, I copped a lot of shit for it at the time, but I thought it was pretty evident then that the game needed to change. And very quickly, you saw Victor Radley jump into 13, Cam Murray, these sort of guys, these more ball playing um, sort of 13s that have greater leg speed. And I think that was a really fun time to watch it all unfold. And now you're starting to see your Tamalolo like Isaac Leus, these sort of guys, these bigger bodies with this incredible skill set. It's crazy to think that now you genuinely can have, you know, a proper 13 who has the ball skills of, you know, a, a, a genuine 13 like a Victor Radley and stuff. So very exciting. Quite often you see clubs just do it with their front rowers as well, which is exciting to see. But I think Isaiah Yo, Radley, Murray, these sort of guys, they really have changed uh, how the game has been played. And I think that was a big change a couple of years ago, which is really exciting to see. Um, I think the way that we use players off the bench is becoming very important as well. And this is something I spoke about at the start of, not last, I think it was the year before, whenever Tino first went to the Titans, I, I named my best 17. I had him coming off the bench and, you know, everyone sort of went, oh, what the fuck are you doing? How He's 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 too good to be on the bench. You, you put your shit players on the bench. And I think it's been a mindset that has really changed over the last few years. And I think that that's already arrived. I think that one sort of um, slipped under the radar a little bit. We, we talk about it on Bloke in a Bar a little bit here and there that, you know, the game is so important over 80 minutes. You know, like the, 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 sorry, the moments that you put players on the field over 80 minutes are so important. You look at the Penrith Panthers, the way they use Scotty Sorensen. You look at when the Melbourne Storm won their last, last competition. It was all about Brandon Smith. When he came onto the field, uh, the game got completely turned on its head. And I think the Roosters will be in a similar spot when they bring Brandon Smith on for his second stint in 2023. So I think that's something that changes. Um, I think you've seen the roaming centre is going to become more and more popular. I think that Joey Manu... 
is starting to show that you're able to do it. And it's not just the roaming center. It can be the roaming winger as well. I think you'll start to see Josh Adokar sort of play that role for Canterbury a little bit. He was doing it for the Kangaroos uh, in the World Cup. You've obviously got Jordan Rappenau who plays for the Canberra Raiders. He's he's very much so a roaming sort of guy. And I think it will become more and more popular. You obviously had Turbo do it for New South Wales a couple of years ago. And we I think a lot of people sort of sat there and went, oh, it's only because it's Turbo and he's such an extraordinary freak that he can do what he wants and no one else is in that caliber. But I disagree. I I think you can play with a roaming center. It does make things difficult at times, uh, but I think the Roosters, they're going to really start to change the game as far as that becoming a more consistent thing. I think you'll see Fox. I think he will start to do it more and more this year as well, which I cannot wait to see for Canterbury, which is very, very exciting. And I think it should become a more normalized and a more common thing in rugby league. It is a hard balance. Your team needs to be aware of which players doing it and when they're going to be out of position and et cetera, et cetera. But I do think it is something that's going to become more and more noticeable. Um, I think that one thing I've noticed, probably more so in junior footy, and I think it is going to start to transition into first grade if it hasn't already, a guy like Matt Burton, for example, the way that he plays, I'm starting to notice more and more your sort of your taller, your skinnier, your rangier sort of halves are having a really good impact as well. I'm not, I'm not sure if it is going to be a trend that's going to really catch on, but uh, and obviously Matt Burton, you know what makes him great isn't just his body shape; he's obviously got that incredible boot and whatnot. But I think tall, rangier sort of halves, I think they are going to become more and more important as the game moves forward. I'm not as confident on that one because you're always going to have good ball players that aren't your you know tall, lanky rangy sort of guys, but it is something that I'm starting to notice uh, in junior footy that a lot of the halves that I like, I sort of I look at them and they are a little bit of a taller body shape than what they have been in the past. Uh, one thing that I do think teams really need to work on is your short dropouts. And I've said this a lot and I know that I had a disagreement with Matty the Waterboy during last year because the Rabbitohs kept kicking it short, giving away penalties and he was he was blown up and upset about that. But I just, it, all it is is repetition. It's all about practice, getting those right. You go and watch Rugby Union and how accurate those guys are with it. I just, I can't understand why NRL teams aren't practicing this consistently. And like the amount of times you see rugby league players do their short dropouts and they actually put it, you know, back into their in goals, it blows me away. You know, like me and my mates that aren't, you know, first grade footballs or whatever, we do it at Oztag all the time. You just put it up high and then all of a sudden you've got your entire attacking line coming up and you've only got three blo- three or four blokes across the entire 10 meter line it just become like it becomes just uh, all you have to do is just get up and get a hand to it to get that ball back. So I'm very surprised that more teams aren't doing that. I think that it will start to change. I think you saw the Cowboys last year. They were probably the best team at it. They got a lot of balls back off short dropouts. And the beauty of it is that even if you don't get the ball back, even if you lose it, all of a sudden you're attacking, you're, you're, you're defending 10 metres out, which in my opinion is better than when you're defending from 40 metres out because there's less momentum and whatnot. And, and realistically, off a dropout, you've got guys all the way back at halfway. It takes two tackles before everyone's back in their positions. You're halfway through the set. So that's sort of one thing I would like to see. I think off kickoffs as well. It's another thing I would love to see change, and I think you've started to see Nathan Cleary do it a little bit more and more when you're on dropouts and off kickoffs. I would just be pinning it at that sideline. I'd be trying to keep it low and keep it down. You know, you see a lot of guys who kick it off the high tees and whatnot. All the ball has to do is bounce once and go out, and if it doesn't, you're putting, like, second rowers that are sort of standing on that edge in really tough spots with a bouncy, greasy ball. It's another change that I would love to see. It's not an easy kick to get right, don't get me wrong, uh, but these guys are full-time professionals. I think they can make it work, and I think it can become a real uh, strike weapon. And look, when, when you get it wrong, you are going to give away. 
30 odd meters or whatever but personally I think you would get so many errors out of back rowers there and the few times I've seen Nathan Cleary do it I think DCE's done it a few times you tend to get good results so if it is something that they can master especially on a wet greasy night uh, the last thing you want is a ball skidding along the ground and I think that's a real opportunity that teams could take advantage of uh, once again you've seen a lot of like touch football comps uh, where you have to just kick it off the ground and you just toe bash the shit out of it and quite often on that fourth bounce it'll sit up you know four or five meters in the air and it's not about catching it you literally cannot get it the ball goes out the ball goes dead or whatever you get the ball back so it is something I would probably like to see teams implement it would take some practice 100% don't get me wrong but I think it is a huge advantage uh, that teams could get pretty simply so those are the sort of metas that I see coming into the game I don't think well for, for me anyway right now there probably isn't a really obvious one like a few years ago when I was sitting there 2017 2018 thinking fuck they need to get guys like Radley Tyrone Peachy these sort of guys into the lock position there is isn't one for me that's as evident at the moment. Um, you go back to that 2018 season, that was the moment that the Roosters turned their season around. A lot of people say, oh, Cooper Cronk and James Tedesco got used to the team. Fair, but you know what else happened? They move Isaac Liu out of the 13 and they put Victor Radley in there and their whole game got turned on its head and Victor Radley went on to dominate the next two years and they won two premierships. So there isn't an obvious one like that for me standing out right now. So a bit of a tough question to be honest with you, but those are some things that I can see being implemented over the next couple of years. All right, our next question, Troy Warner, the Paracave podcast, as I said before, guys, go check it out if you haven't already, is loyalty out of the game when it comes to contracts? Uh, interesting, Troy. And look, I think that when we talk about this, people automatically say, yes, yes, it is, 100%. Yeah, there's no loyalty. But it's also, like, I think we we remember the ones that, that don't stay loyal, and I think the ones that do, we sort of take for granted. Uh, and look, there are more guys that aren't staying loyal, um, if that's what you want to call it. But at the end of the day, these guys have a short career. It doesn't go forever. Uh, if they were to get injured tomorrow and they miss out on you know hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of dollars, uh, we're not going to help them out next week realistically. So that's the situation that they are in. Um, if you have a family member or a friend or something who was in the NRL, you want them to make as much money as they possibly can because their body's going to be fucked for the rest of their life. That's the reality of it. Um, and you know, for for a lot of them, even worse than than just their bodies. We're starting to see you know CTE and everything t- have a real effect on players so uh, for me and you know what it is easy for me to say because I don't have a team that I go for uh, but I do think that we need to accept that it's all good and well to say be loyal like they were in the old days you know but it's it's completely different now it is completely fucking different and I think you also need to remember that as much as you know you want players to be loyal and everything, your club will fuck over a player at any given minute if there is any form of advantage that they can get out of it. If they think that maybe that player is a little bit off, um, play, like playing to the level of the money they're paying him, they will ship them off as quickly as they can. So I think as fans, we do need to appreciate that the reality is that your club will screw over any player in any given moment to move them on if it, if there is an advantage for the club. So you need to accept that players are going to be the same. And I think that we just need to have a bit more understanding of that. Now, you know, in, if I was a guy like Troy, who's a Parramatta fanatic, and I absolutely love how keen he is on Parramatta, it would make it very tough to watch Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, who you've had for a long time. You've developed, you know, Dylan Brown. You took Mitch Moses off the Tigers a long time ago, uh, and, and you've developed him so much and he's come so far. For him to leave, it would be heartbreaking. But... 
you know, if a team is willing to offer those guys so much money and it means they can take care of their family, they can set them up for themselves up for the future and whatnot, uh, it's a very, very short career. And I think you've just got to take advantage of those things when they present themselves. I think loyalty is a bit of a, um, like, it's a fantastic thing to have. It's, it's great, but it is also a bit of a Walt Disney sort of thing. I just think that we need to appreciate where guys are at in their lives, what they can do with that money. And we need to remember that if something happens to these guys and they fall, they, they get an injury and they're not the player they once were and everything happens, your club's not going to stay loyal to them. Your club can't afford to stay loyal to them. They will move them on. And we've seen that on a number of occasions with champion all-time players at very many clubs get to the back end when the club could show them a bit of loyalty, they show them the door. There is plenty of times where this doesn't happen, obviously. You know, you've got Wade Graham at the Sharkies. He signed a, another contract. He will play out his career. There are a heap of guys that do do this. But for every guy that clubs are loyal to and really take care of, I'm telling you, there's a hundred that they've been promised loyalty, that they've completely fucked over, that they've let go, they haven't backed in, et cetera, et cetera. So all good and well to harp on about loyalty and want it, but you've got to understand that it has to go both ways, and the reality is it doesn't. And I could tell you a million stories of guys I've spoken to who won't bag clubs on air for podcasts and whatnot, but then tell me off air what clubs did to them, and I'm telling you, you do not hear, you do not hear half of the sort of shit that goes on and how guys get treated and whatnot. So just something to keep in mind. Is loyalty out of the game? I think it probably is to some extent. With certain guys, there isn't. But with the vast majority of guys, I think it is. Um, and I think you need to accept that with every single club, in most situations, loyalty is out the window as well. They've got to look after their club, their franchise, and players have to look after themselves and their family. All right, next one comes from Little Mickle. It says, how should teams ref- prepare to face Penrith? As I said off the top, uh, would probably take a smarter mind than mine to work out how to take down this Penrith side. When I say probably, I mean certainly would take a smarter mind than mine to take down this Penrith side. But what I do notice is that when you kick early and you lead your kick chase, you can really challenge this Penrith Panthers team. Now, the New South Wales Blues, they were built a lot out of the Penrith Panthers. Uh, you saw that when Queensland got on the front foot with DC and Munster and Hunt and Grant kicking early, it really it made it hard for them to come out of their own end. And that's when you finally saw a couple of errors come out of this team. The Sharkies, when they took on the Penrith Panthers, they did a similar thing, but... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. They only did it for 60 minutes. And when you do it for 60 minutes against the Panthers, it's like doing it for 20 minutes against any other team. It just doesn't matter. They played the entire 80 minutes. They played the entire game. And if you're not going to go to war for the entire 80 minutes, uh, they'll make it count at the end. They will just that they are like a heavyweight boxer that is happy just to wait in the ring and just spar with you until they know you're tired and then they'll take you out. Then they're all of a sudden their tempo goes to another level. They'll bring on a Scotty Sorensen, a Spencer Lenu, these sort of guys. Which brings in my next point. I think you need to be very careful with how you structure your 17. So, you know, with a lot of teams in this competition, if you can win the first 25 minutes, it'll take you a long way to winning that game of football. The Panthers, they're a completely different kettle of fish. You can win the first 25 minutes and it doesn't fucking matter because they know as long as they're just in the contest, they don't have to win the first 25. At the end of the day, most teams, when they run out the first 25 minutes of the Panthers, that's their Super Bowl. That's their chance to test themselves. Front rowers all hyped up, ready to go. And the Panthers just go, you know what? 
All we have to do is match it with you or, or just stay in the contest and then we'll bring on Sorensen, we'll bring on Lenu, we'll bring on Appy, we'll bring on all these guys and our game will just go to a completely new level. And you saw that a number of times throughout this year. Obviously, they blew a lot of teams off the park and whatnot, but when you saw teams that arrived and really put it to the Penrith Panthers, it was good, it was great for 60 minutes. And then that last 20 minutes, which is when games are decided, championship minutes, championship moments, is where the Penrith Panthers just take it to to the next level. So for me, I would be heavily focusing on early kicks and kick chase. You've got to win your kick chase. If you can limit the amount that those the, the, those back three, Taylor May, Dylan Edwards, Brian Toto coming out of their own end, I'd be kicking a Brian Toto as much as I could to limit his impact. But Taylor May is not that far behind Brian Toto at the end of the day, and Dylan Edwards is an absolute freak. So that's what makes it hard. They really don't have a weak, a weaker kick return um, winger or fullback that back there. When they had Charlie Staines, you could sort of, you know, you could kick to Brian Toto and then try and get up and whack Charlie Staines. But to be honest with you, he did really well at the back end of the season. He was very, very impressive. He improved a lot with his kick returns. They are a hard team to handle, yeah? Uh, I, I mean, that, that's pretty evident. Three grand finals in a row, red-hot favourites to take home this premiership as well. But I just think if you can kick early, ruin their momentum a little bit. And what you quite often found in these games was that, you know, especially when... Mitch Kenny was on the field. You could sort of win that that wrestle early, but then Appy would come on and he would just change the ruck completely. Yeah, he, he would completely change the way that the ruck was being played and how much momentum the Panthers were getting just with his craftiness. And I'm not saying that Sonny Luke can't do that, but it will be a big, big test for this Panther side. And I think that's where you can get them. Kick early, win the kick chase every single time. You've got to win your tackles. You can't let them offload. You can't let them get to their front. You've got to stop your Fisher Harris's, your Spencer Lenews, these sort of guys that always get to their front and win. Um, yeah, look, it's a lot easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. And I, you know, you at the end of the day, you could do everything I just said perfectly. You could structure your 17 perfectly. You could have explosiveness coming off the bench. You could win, you know, that that 75 minutes. But if you lose that last five minutes, eight times out of 10, the Penrith Panthers will win that game. So very, very tough. I'm very keen to see how Trent Robinson goes against them this year. I think he's finally got the cattle to be able to compete with this side. So I'm very keen to see how that plays out. Melbourne Storm as well. They'll get Christian Walsh back. Obviously, losing their edge back rowers, which will test them defensively in a huge, huge way. But he will get Pappy back. He'll get Christian Welsh up. Harry Grant at nine. Cam Munster at six. Husey at seven. Uh, that's a team that can also challenge this Panthers side on their day, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm very, very keen to see how the best minds in rugby league take on this Penrith Panthers side. Even the Dolphins, you know, they might not have the greatest side on paper, but they've got Wayne Bennett. They've got Sean O'Sullivan, who's been in the system as well. So I'm keen to see how they go about taking on this side. They might not have the cattle like the other sides to compete with them. But it is something I'm really looking forward to this year, seeing Craig Bellamy with you know a full squad, seeing Trent Robinson with a full squad, and how they take on this Penrith Panther side, who I believe uh, is one of the best teams we've seen in quite some time. Even a Craig Fitzgibbon, I thought that he he matched it with the Penrith Panthers when they took them on during the season, but once again, could only do it for 60 minutes, and if you're going to only do it for 60 minutes, it's like doing it for 20 minutes against other sides. They will make you pay. Very, very keen to see how the best coaches take on this Penrith Panther side. I don't know how to beat them. I've got no fucking idea how to beat them. They are that good. Uh, but very keen to watch how other coaches go about it. And I'm sure that it'll be something that me, Kempi, and Timmy will talk about during the season, little things that we can pick apart. Uh, but the early kick, that's something that I think can really rattle this Penrith Panther side. On their day, you've still got to do everything right after that because they will get out of their own end. They'll find a way to overcome everything as they always do. Uh, but yeah, what a team to watch. Unreal stuff. Can't wait to watch the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters really put it to them this year.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 